What mm. was the pay scenario like back in 1990s? Take a wild guess, yeah. Gerald. What, what do you think that number is? Two or thousand six. My mom was a diploma. Thousand six. Thousand six. The Josh Ten Show. Hi guys, welcome in. Today we are going to talk about HDB flats, and we have Gerald Ong. Hey everyone, it's Gerald. Nice to meet you. Today, Gerald, we're going to talk about this topic. Are home prices getting too expensive? And maybe I can give everybody some backdrop. You know, this year we've seen so many million dollar HDB flats. 365 to be exact. And of them, 75 are Masonets. So we've seen Masonets getting so many big transaction numbers. And the latest one actually is one that is in Jurong East. This has actually cracked the million dollar mark. You know, Masonets, they are so big. And maybe it's a good place to start our whole discussion, Gerald. Do you think these Masonets are a good deal or not? Uh, for me, no. <laughs> but um, let's talk about what um I think... I'm trying to put my mind in the perspective of a buyer, right? I don't think uh, Masonettes are young couples living mm. by themselves. I would argue that it's at least three gens, or if not downgraders, right? Like if you win it big from N block, then you decide, hey, I want a two-story flat. You know, you want something that's atas, but not like a penthouse, which is like crazy expensive, a more budget version of a penthouse. Then yeah, Masonette sounds perfect, right? So that's where I think um this comes into play. The headlines always about big numbers like oh it's you know million dollar HDB. No one no one's gonna talk about the three hundred thousand dollar BTO that's coming up in the newspaper. Lah. So later we'll talk about it, <laughs> not to worry. Because today's topic what is is it too unaffordable? But this Masonettes, what I hear from you is you believe they are three generational families trying to stay inside it. Just to give some context, you know, this Masonettes, they are so big. If I'm not wrong, they are like 1,005, 1,006 square feet, which means that they have multiple bedrooms, like three or four easily. I've been to one myself, and uh, it was really quite an eye-opener to see the stairs and, you know, the rooms are upstairs, very nice. And there's like three bathrooms, which means like there can be so many adults are staying together in one whole family itself. So these Masonettes, if we were to look at some data points, the Toei one actually transacted at 805 per square foot. Again, that's a 35-year-old Masonette that cost $1.3 wow. million. Yes, mm. so it's not a young Masonette somehow. But this Jurong East one is a bit younger. It's only 26 years old. And the transaction PSF is 640 So, Gerald, I have a mm. question for you. $640 PSF for a 26-year-old house. How does that relate you know, to some other comparable ones in Jurong maybe? Yeah, so if we look at other property prices in Jurong, actually in Jurong, when you try to search, right, there's, there's not a lot of properties at the same age. It's always further out, like in the Boonlay Pioneer area. We did manage to find one property. Uh, I think it's slightly cheaper, about 610 per square foot, right? In terms of prices, um, the Masonette seems to be at a slight premium, um, but it's marginal, right, compared to the other property. Um. But now that I think about it, wow, the Toe E one $800 per square foot, that is a lot. I think this begs the question, are Masonettes priced at a premium? Mm. It seems to be uh, that they are priced slightly at a premium because all else being equal, if they are the same mm. per square foot and they're older, they're priced at a premium. So, um, yeah, relatively speaking, they are a bit because of the demand or rarity of them because um, HDB stopped making them since um, the year 1995. Uh, seems that the market do price it a slight premium for them um, compared to the rest of the HGBs. So you feel that buying something that's younger is going to be a better deal than uh, buying something that's older, even though it's you know rare in that sense. What's, what's your take on things? Yes, all else being equal, definitely a younger flat is um better la, because of Bala's curve. Ma. So Bala's mm -hmm. curve is basically a depreciation chart for 
HDB. So HDB, they don't depreciate linearly. It's like an exponential scale. So at the start, it depreciates very slowly. Mm. But, you know, prices in general, they increase. So the appreciation is more than a depreciation. So prices go up. But there comes a point in time, right, where once the flat is old enough, the depreciation is, depreciation is so fast because it's exponential that every year you see the property prices go down, down, down. Like I think those like, 50-year-old flats, every year you see the prices mm-hmm. most likely going down um, because depreciation is very high during those um later part of the years. So it's the so, lease um, decay thing that affects all 99-year leases. Correct. Yeah, so at the end of 99 years, all HDB flat goes to zero, you know? So, uh, yeah, don't take the risk. And don't scare people, so don't scare you. Maybe some families do do value this. Or maybe if that buyer is someone older and then, you know, not too concerned about using the house for 60 years and stuff. But again, Masonets, they have stairs. For any family with elderly, I also am concerned how to stay in it comfortably. Masonettes, right? Typically, the structure is that ground floor is living room. Second floor mm. would be where the bedrooms are. So then there is a flight of stairs that you need to climb. Mm. Um, so if you have um, physically challenged um, family members or let's say aging um, grandparents who struggle with mobility, right? Climbing this flight of stairs will become a significant challenge because you need to do it daily basis. Same with terrace house. Lah. But terrace mm. house, you can install a lift. <laughs> that's true, that's true. <laughs> Uh, and they're also not cheap also. You spend, you know, a million dollars plus and you want to stay inside for a period, not, you know, a couple of yeah. years only. And then back to the next question, which is, are homes getting too expensive? Because $1.3 million HDB flat, $1 million flat in Jurong. I'd like to pull up an IG post that influencer Jade Rasif has actually mentioned before. Quoting from her, she went house hunting and prices seem astronomical in Singapore now. We have tons of houses, but they aren't homes. People don't live in them. They are just sitting blocks of investors' money. By the time her kids are 18 years old, she's concerned whether she can afford a home for them. So when I saw that post, I was also thinking, is she looking at private houses or is she looking at HDB flats? Because for private <laughs> houses, yes, they could be investors. But HDB flats, we can't, yeah, we can't yeah. invest in it. Right? We, we have to stay inside it. You know, recently, there's this whole saga about 53 cases of uh, people selling their flats when they didn't actually stay inside because minimum occupancy period means you have to stay inside. So it's yeah. definitely not investors' money in HDB flats. Uh. But what are your thoughts on uh, what Jade has voiced out? Are future generations of Singaporeans able to afford a home or not? I think someone must look at the data a little bit more thoroughly. Like if you look from the surface, every time you hear the big news, oh, new, you know, prices are getting higher and higher every single year. But it's because there's inflation in the economy. So a healthy economy, prices mm. should go up. Lah. So then, you know, salaries go up, uh, home prices go up. That's good, you know. Um, so if you own a home, you actually earn. But at the same time, if you want to buy a house, your salary also increase over time. Logically, um, scary to think that prices are going up. But actually, when you dig into the actual numbers, because if you look at ho- affordability, it's always um, home prices relative to your income, mm. right? It's always a ratio thing. If the ratio stays the same, then actually affordability hasn't changed at all. Um, the government actually made a lot of statements regarding affordability, right? I think what they use is the home price to income ratio. They try to keep it under four for Singaporeans. From that point of view, it's affordable. And I think Josh shared uh, with me this um uh, formula, the 335 formula, which is 30% of monthly income, 30% of down payment, and five times annual income for the family. So based on this metric, right, actually homes are very affordable um all around Singapore. Of course, if you look at like the most expensive it's crazy scary. Um, but if you look at um what the latest BTO came out, 
numbers, it seems quite reasonable. In fact, the one that caught my attention is that in Singapore, there's actually a five-digit uh, flat after subsidies in Bukit Batok. That's what caught my attention. I, I think we need to clarify also. This data point of the home price to income is for BTO flats. So some mm. people might actually be overstretching themselves in private estates. That's possible. Yeah. But for BTOs where government has full control, they've actually kept this affordability. Kudos to them in that sense also. The mortgage servicing ratio, 25%. The average people is just using 25% of their income. The CPFO itself can fund it, which is good. You don't use your yeah. cash. You can use that cash to bring up family and stuff. And the price of the home is always the, the biggest expense that most families have. And uh, to the point of uh, five-digit flats, that one comes after grants also. So government does indeed have a lot of good grants to help new couples start families. Mm. They include uh, proximity housing grants, enhanced housing grants, which is related to income. So for low-income families, the grants are really big. Could be up to $80,000. So as we scroll through this list, we can see differences in prices. Like Tengah has three-room BTOs going at 200000 But if you want a more mature estate, you'll see that Queenstown, for example, is closing at 400000 but mm. these are still numbers that, uh, according to HDB has mentioned, these are definitely still affordable. 400000 for three-room flat is definitely still affordable for uh, most families. Uh, then what about some other older data? How has prices appreciated over the years that would really dispel this myth of home prices rising too quickly? I found this data of um, the per square foot comparison for based on district. Mm. So I think this includes um, private housing and government housing. So this is by stacked homes, right? So um, if you look at the percentage percentages, I don't know why district one, the prices drop. But other than that, every one of them increased at least two digits with um, like district six rising as much as like 150% uh, over the past um, nine years from 2010 to 2019, right? So... Again, if we compare apples to apples, we look at Jurong East. Um, the the rise is twenty five percent over ten years. It sounds a lot, but actually, if you divide it uh to ten years, it breaks down to about two percent per annum, and two percent is not very scary. I think most of us, our income rise much more than two percent uh per year, right? Based on pay raises, and if you look, don't look at um the lower one. You look at the larger um let's say district um six, district seven, right? Um, if you break it down per annum, it's also only about eight percent, right? Um, increment. So it's not um too far off from the growth rate of our incomes. I think basically homes are not getting less and less affordable relative to income. I think it's just a number that scares people, correct? Or one yep, million dollar flat, or five hundred thousand dollar BTO. But we forget that you know, uh, in terms of percentage increment, is a gradual climb across the years, and mm. uh, it, it just takes some getting used to. So it also rounds back to the yep. point. Uh, last time's affordability and now affordability is still roughly the same, which means you know people can still pay and start their first homes quite easily. I think that's very different from Hong Kong, whereby there are real concerns because uh, data has shown that some families take 20 years of income just to pay off housing loans. And some of their waiting yeah. periods can be up to six years versus what we see yeah. here in Singapore, which is four or five years at most. That also leads to a concern that I saw on forums. Let me quote from this uh, remark over there. My parents bought their freehold condo for 700000 in 1990s. Their neighbor has actually just sold a smaller unit for $2.8 million. Salaries have increased since 1990, but definitely not at fourfold amount. But I've actually done important information to share with you listening in today. 
What mm. was the pay scenario like back in 1990s? Take a wild guess, Gerald. Yeah. What, what, what do you think that number is? When was that again? 90 what? 1990s. That's when my parents were young. La. Based on what they shared with me, I think it was 1002 or 1006. My mom was a diploma. 1006. She shared 1006. Actually, the nurse. gross median yeah. wage back in 1991 to 1995 was only $1,085. Eh. So your mom earned above that median wage. You know, when we compare last yeah. time, average yeah. is 1085 Now it's 4006 Has wow. pay not increased by four times plus? It's also a perspective thing. So I think uh, if mm-hmm. we were to you know reflect back, price gone up fourfold, but pay has increased fourfold also. Hey, then maybe the equation of affordability is still holding it intact. Just the numbers look bigger. <laughs> so if we were to project for hey, 18 years later, maybe the average wage becomes eight nine thousand dollars Then home prices, you realize 2 million, 3 million flats are getting quite common in that sense. So mm-hmm. we, we need to get used to numbers and headlines sometimes and not get too fearful. What are your last thoughts, Gerald, on this uh, affordability concern? On one hand, we, we, when we try to rationalize, we look at the data and the numbers, it does uh, make sense. But I think there's a lot of sharing, right, amongst us folks when we think about, hey, you know, the homes in Singapore getting smaller and smaller, right? And then the price getting higher and higher. So then there is the impression that as times goes by, um, we are only able to afford smaller and smaller homes. So then uh, eventually all, all, the, all the youngsters in Singapore can only afford like shoebox homes uh, in the future, right? They cannot afford anything else. But income data seems to suggest us to, otherwise, la, as long as you get a decent job, you know, you study hard, you work well, uh. On average, you should be able to afford a decent sized home, at least now or in the foreseeable future. So you believe I don't know what sixth generation mean. should be okay if they were to buy BTOs, it's definitely still affordable. The only question is if yeah. it's private and stuff where you know, market forces can yeah. pull up prices differently. Yeah, yeah. Private is very unpredictable because anyone can buy, not just Singaporeans, it's mm. the whole world. Uh where CCB is only limited to Singaporeans and PRs, right? I so coming to here, uh maybe we'll also pose this question to you listening in. Do you think home prices are really climbing too fast and uh, getting unaffordable? You're worried about next generation. So leave your thoughts and comments in the sections below. Gerald, thank you for coming in for today's discussion. Hey, it's a pleasure. It's really nice to chat on this topic. It's <laughs> a big problem. Together, we'll see you in the next episode. Okay, bye everyone. Take care and goodbye.